Hello, A's fans, and welcome back to another Athletics Baseball podcast with your host, Taylor. Today's episode is going to be a good one. I'm finally going to do it. I've put it off for far too long. We are going to do John Fisher's Deep Pockets. We are going to have a talk about John Fisher, the financial situation of the A's, and everything related to that. I'm also going to do a brief little State of the A's, and that'll include a lot of Coliseum talk, of course, and what we can expect now and in the future, this coming season and maybe beyond, just sort of where the A's are. And that'll also include a recent article talking about the projections for the A's. That'll be a brief brief part of the state of the A's. So now, before we get into all that, I'd first like to remind you all, please recommend this podcast to your friends and family that you know that are baseball fans, or even more so if they're Oakland A's fans, and remember to like, follow, subscribe, review, rate, all the whole thing, wherever you listen to the podcast. And follow us on Instagram, athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast. And you can also reach me at the email associated with the podcast, which is athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail.com. I also just started a Twitter for the podcast, which... I have to say, I am not a prolific tweeter, so I'm just dipping my feet into it a little bit, and I have some ideas of doing some fun things during the regular season with it, maybe maybe some live tweets during some games, some, something like that, but, but yeah, I just started that, and that is at athletics underscore pod, so athletics underscore pod. And the name is, of course, Athletics Baseball Podcast, but that's Twitter at athletics underscore pod, P-O-D, if you you want to find that. Just getting started with that. But finally, a last mention before I get into the episode for, for today. Send an email to the Oakland mayor, Sheng Tao, and let her know how much you want the A's to stay in Oakland. If you want them to stay, if you're a real A's fan and you want them to stay in Oakland so that you can see them where they belong, where they should be, then send her an email and let her know that they need to stay in Oakland. And be polite, be be kind, but just... Make sure that she knows how many A's fans there are and how important the A's are to us. We we will not, I will not be satisfied with them in another city or with replacement teams from other sports. You know, it's not going to do it for me. And most A's fans that I've talked to are feeling similar about that. So if you do, let her know. I'll put the email in the description below, and I'll mention that for you real quick as well. It is Office of the Mayor, all one one word, no spacings, no punctuations, Office of the Mayor at oaklandca.gov. All right, that's how you can send an email to Mayor Tao of Oakland to, to let her know how much you love the A's. And if you want... I'll be putting, maybe on Twitter, maybe on Instagram, maybe everywhere, I don't know, a a quick little draft email that you can just copy-paste that'll just probably say something like, Hello, Mayor Tao. I just want to inform you of how important the A's are to me and my family and friends, and we love having them in Oakland, and... We really don't want them to leave. Please do what you can. Something something brief and and 
lame like that, you know? But the point is, it doesn't really matter what it says. As long as she gets a couple hundred or a thousand emails that that say something generic along the lines of, we want Oakland A's to stay in Oakland where they should be, then she'll get the point. That's That's all it is. So let's move on to the state of the A's. Not getting into John Fisher's deep pockets yet. The state of the A's. The state of the A's right now is looking pretty good, and I think that the the fan enthusiasm is just now starting to build. I think that the the A's fans have had enough of last year and how horrible that went and how bad it felt. And people who have been paying attention know that we have spent a bunch of money on free agents this season and that we have a bunch of prospects that are sort of ready. Some of them are ready. Some of them are fringe from making... From, from being solid big league contributors. From some of them from making their big league appearances, some of them being contributors, some of them maybe developing into more than contributors. And that's an exciting time. It's always an exciting time to see a prospect come up for your team and potentially be good. And it's a lot more exciting when you're talking about several of them all at once, the core, and this is how the A's do it on purpose, right? The the core coming up together, and then you can fill in around what you're missing. So that's exciting. We get to see a lot of these players hopefully take steps forward this year, and we get to watch some big league names from around the league who are from different teams, different markets, uh, get to see them, some of them for essentially the first time as A's fans, because we don't always play against all of these other teams, or very much at least. Uh, For example, Jesus Aguilar coming from the Marlins, and before that the Brewers, and I think there was another team in there. And, you know, he's not a player that we would have played against all that much, so... I'm not familiar with him, you know, playing against him or anything like that. So it'll be it'll be fun to see him on the team and hopefully he can have a little bit of a bounce back year, stuff like that. And then obviously part of the state of the A's is the whole Coliseum talk, the drama of the getting a new stadium or moving to Las Vegas. And there have been some not-so-great articles that have come out in the Bay Area news lately, and there have been some pretty good articles that have come out. And everything ranging from, in the last month maybe, the city of Oakland not getting certain grants that it had applied for, which is, of course, negative. These grants were to help pay for various things for the Howard Terminal project. And Caval and Fisher going to Las Vegas to meet with various officials and owners of various prospective ballpark sites and things like that. That's not an encouraging thing, right? But this is this is some of the news that we've been getting, and it's been a little bit of a downer for a lot of people to see this, but then we finally, over the last week, we finally have been seeing Mayor Tao talk a little bit about the A's. And it does still feel and seem like it was pulling teeth to get her to mention them in the first place, but then she mentioned them on her own two days ago, I believe on Tuesday, there was a city council meeting open to the public, I think, and and she 
mentioned, and there are some news articles about it, that the talks between the city and the team have picked back up and that things are looking good. I believe that's how she phrased it, roughly at least. And it's like a drop of water in the desert, honestly, because we, as A's fans, are dying of dehydration, and the thing that would quench our thirst is knowing that the A's are going to stay in Oakland. This is one drop onto the parched tongue of A's fans who are walking through the desert right now, (laughs) and that one little drop can feel so relieving, even though it doesn't mean anything, and it doesn't really do anything to alleviate our problems or make us think that they will be alleviated necessarily in the future. But it still feels good, that little drop on the tongue, so I was happy to see it. But we're still a long way from home here. So that's the standing of the Coliseum. And I won't go into the new Coliseum discussions about other teams potentially moving there, because there's not really anything there. I talked about it on the previous episode a little bit, but the A's, it's, it can't even happen unless the A's sign off on it, and I feel like all that really does is give the A's another bargaining chip to use in these negotiations, because if the city screws them over and doesn't let them move into Howard Terminal and, and roadblocks them or anything like that, do you think the A's are going to just freely give up their 50% ownership of the Coliseum so that other development groups can build there? Uh, probably not. You know, it's, it's a nice little bargaining chip for the A's if things have to get to that point. Anyway, the final the final bit on the state of the A's, this was just released on Wednesday, an article on athleticsnation.com, Zips, which is a projection uh, system, they, a formula or, or something that it projects players and teams how they're going to do it's sort of a simulation for the next season. And, you know, I've got to say, my guesstimate was not too far off from this. I have been calling for at least 75 wins, so essentially 75 win season next year, which would be 15 wins more than last year. That's a huge, huge improvement, and people still talk trash about the A's because, oh, we're not spending, you know, in the top 10 Guess what, guys? Only 10 teams can spend in the top 10, and the A's are never going to outspend the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Mets, you know, it's just, and and plenty of other teams that have, you know, huge, huge markets or sole control of their regional market, and the A's just don't have these things, so the, the money difference exists. It just, it exists. And that's all I'll say about that for now. But the fact is, we had a horrible season last year, nowhere to go but up. Zips is projecting 72 wins for the A's. 72 wins, 90 losses. So 12 wins better than last year. And I'm projecting 75 or better. I think that they are under-projecting. I've seen the projections for the different players, and specifically, I will say that I think they are under-projecting for Asturi Ruiz and Ryan Noda. And they also might be slightly under-projecting Jesus Aguilar, Aledmus Diaz, and Jace Peterson, which they're predicting that those three guys are going to have slightly 
worse performances than they did the year previous, I believe is the case. At least it's the case for Jason Aledmus Diaz, I think. Um, Jesus Aguilar might be a slight uptick from last year. But last year for him was a really down year. And if he just has a slight return to form and not even necessarily back to where he was, just a little bit of a return to form, he will outperform his projections. If they've also actually underprojected on Seth Brown, I'm going to say that right now for sure too. So they're only projecting like 22 home runs and a little bit of worse production in a couple of other metrics for him and similar production in in the other metrics. Uh, I think that he is going to have a better year because he is going to have more quality hitters in the lineup with him. And I think Nick Allen is going to take a step forward as well, but I think that they project that in their projections as well. So if I remember that right, in that case, I just agree with them on, on Nick Allen and... I think, you know, I think we could see some really good things with this team, and 75 wins or better is some really good things. You know, a, a, a young roster coming together, guys sort of getting their feet wet in the MLB, solidifying themselves as hopefully everyday players, and there may be some, some times this coming season where we are in the wildcard hunt and that'll be really exciting for a team that was 60 and 102 last year so that's my state of the A's also I'll just mention real quick the Zips projections here after all of the money that the Rangers have spent they're being projected at 79 and 83 less than a 500 season and it's just kind of sad. The Angels also 85 wins and I think that that is optimistic. Maybe it sounds mean to to say this and pick on the Angels and Rangers a little bit, but I'm only doing it to sort of point out to all you A's fans that we are we are a real team. We are competitive. We have one or two years that are down, and then we're, you know, maybe three sometimes. We're right back in it. We're, we're up there outperforming what people think we're going to do when we're in the race for the wild card or winning the wild card. People are like, oh, how is this bad team good? Uh, it's because we're not a bad team. We're a good team. So don't let people get you down when they talk about the A's callously and just sort of as if we will not be that good team, as if we are never going to have another successful year again. We're just tanking. We're trying to lose. I've seen this. You know, that's ridiculous. We're not trying to lose. It's called a rebuild, people, a rebuild. Every team does it. All right, state of the A's. I've gone on enough for that. Let's have the real conversation here. The real conversation. John Fisher's deep pockets. As you all know, John Fisher is the owner of the A's. The full owner, 100%. Most owners around the league are part of an ownership group, or partial owners with a controlling share, or partial owners and they're just sort of the face of it. And in this case, John Fisher is, as far as I can tell, the full owner of the A's. And one of the reasons the A's get so much criticism is that he's not even one of the poor owners. No owner is poor. This is what some people say. No owner is really poor. They all are rich and can afford to spend on the team for success. But John Fisher is extra 
dastardly and deserves extra criticism because he is extra rich compared to a lot of the owners. Because he is a multi-billionaire. His estimated net worth is $2.4 billion. Billion with a B. $2,400,000,000. That is a lot of money. A lot of money. And people speculate about how much all the different teams worth, and some people I've seen say silly things like, there's no team in baseball that's worth less than two and a half billion dollars these days, and that's just not true. And the A's valuation, as recently as it has been done, is $1.18 billion. So $1,180,000,000. Essentially, a neat slice half of John Fisher's net worth. In other words, if John Fisher just... If the A's poof disappeared overnight and John Fisher got zero dollars back from that, then he would be worth $1.22 billion. The San Jose Earthquakes, he owns... If you didn't know this, he owns the San Jose Earthquakes, the Major League Soccer team, as well. They are worth $510 million in 2021. It could be a little more now, it could be a little less. The market is weird after COVID and and everything else, and soccer still has not become a big popular sport in the U.S., but estimated at $510 million in 2021. That's the most recent number I could find. That's the number I'm going to use for this. From what I could find, he is also the full owner of the Earthquakes. So, if you delete that from his net worth, he had $1.22 billion after deleting the A's. After you delete the Earthquakes... He is now worth $710 million. He also owns 10% of GAP, which is valued at approximately $525 million. Not all of GAP, his 10%. $525 million. If you delete that, he has $185 million left. He also owns about three and a quarter percent of Celtic Football Club, which is a Scottish soccer team, which is worth about a hundred million pounds or a hundred and maybe a hundred and twenty five million. It's like a hundred and eight million pounds, I think. So a hundred and thirty million dollars. And three and a quarter percent of that is about four million dollars and if you add up all those things that he owns together those teams the A's the Earthquakes Celtic Football Club plus his ownership of the gap it all comes out to two billion two hundred and nineteen million dollars So that is the valuation of his ownership of different things, Gap and then the different teams. And his net worth is estimated at $2.4 billion. Essentially, that gives him a remainder of $181 million. And that could be invested in various things, It's taking into account his ownership of properties. He probably has several houses. His ownership of cars. He might collect classic cars. It's taking into account any stocks, uh, any any different portfolios or, or valuations that he has in anything else as well, and any money in the bank. So... Realistically, he does not probably have 
hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in a bank account. That's not what rich people do. They invest that money. It's probably invested in various other smaller things. And, oh, uh, it might actually be taken up. He owns an investment firm with, I think, like with his brother or something. And he he's like a 50% owner or a 30% owner or something like that. And apparently it's a really exclusive, fancy, private investment firm that a lot of people like want in on or some, something like that. I read something about it a while back, and I don't remember all of the specifics, but my guess is that could make up for a sizable chunk of the $180 million left over there. All this to say, he doesn't have piles of cash. You see the $2.4 billion, and a lot of people just sort of think that he's got $2.4 billion that he can spend on things. And people see the Mets and the Padres splashing out big time right now, and they see this and they want it, and I get that, and I want it too, obviously. But the thing is, first of all, let's just say John Fisher had $2.4 billion to spend on a roster. And people are also saying he should just go and fund the whole baseball stadium out of his own pocket, all right, which would obviously eat up like half of his net worth. He would have to sell everything else other than the A's in order to build a new stadium for the A's. And he, first of all, that's kind of ludicrous, and second of all, he's not going to do it. He's not going to sell all of his other stuff so that he can build a stadium with his own money out of his pocket. He's not going to do it. But if you just assume that he has $2.4 billion and that he can and should spend it on just the payroll for the players and you want him to be like the Padres or uh, the Dodgers or the Yankees or Steve Cohen of the Mets, then that would entail him spending somewhere around or more than $200 million per year on just the payroll. And there's other costs associated with running a baseball team. There's the taxes, the upkeep, and all the people that have to work with the baseball team as well, the coaches, the managers, the trainers, and the the front office, and all the statisticians, and all, all of that stuff, uh, the scouts. And so let's just say all you look at is the $200 million a year on payroll salary. I mean, how you, you think is a long-term thing that all owners can and should do and just bankrupt themselves 12 years he'd have zero dollars and he would have had to leverage his ownership of the A's in other words take a loan out against his ownership of the A's and sell everything else that he owns in order to do this you know you're asking something that is ridiculous and an impossibility okay all baseball teams all of them are funded by the money that the baseball team makes. And the more money the team makes, the more they get to spend on various things. And some teams make more money than others. And Steve Cohen of the Mets and Peter Seidler of the Padres are two big exceptions. They are exceptions. And Peter Seidler has owned the Padres for a while and has not spent like this, and he is taking a loss, and Steve Cohen is taking a loss in order to do this, in order to spend like this, in order to try and buy their way to success. And also, might I remind you all, buying your way to success is what the Yankees were hated for 20 years ago. 20-plus years ago, and and still are a little bit to this day, even though they have not successfully bought their way to success lately, in the last 10, 
15 years. They, I mean, they had their championship, their World Series in 2009, but their fans are highly disappointed, which I find comedic. But Steve Cohen is worth, I think, $17 billion, and he makes his income not from owning a baseball team. He grew up a Mets fan, a hardcore Mets fan, and then he became a multi-billionaire, big-time multi-billionaire, 17 billionaire, I think, and he still does what it is that made him all that money. He's in the financial world, uh, stocks and, and the exchanges and everything, and and he makes from that every year enough money that he can cover the full payroll for the Mets. He can cover any losses, so he's actually operating the Mets at a loss and spending money that he's making from his other business ventures. And most owners, like John Fisher and and all the other normal ones that I can think of, they have the wealth and they don't have any income coming in. They just, they try and generate income from that wealth by investing or owning something like a team. So once Steve Cohen, if he ever stops making $600 million a year or whatever it is that he's making, he's not going to fund the losses of the Mets, their financial losses, with his own money. He'll probably just drop the Mets payroll back down to breaking even with how much money they take in every year. And with the Padres, it's a little bit of a different situation. He's obviously wealthy and everything, too, and he's owned the team for a while. My understanding here and I say this with respect, but he essentially survived a third bout of cancer and realized, essentially, that money doesn't really matter and that he wants to do something good and and lead his team, his baseball team, the Padres, to the World Series. He wants to do whatever he can, even if he has to spend some of his own money and lose some of his wealth in order to achieve success. And that's a wonderful thing and, and a very meaningful thing, thing for him to do that. And San Diegans are appreciative, of course, of that. And he will probably be remembered very fondly for this. However... Not every owner is going to have near-death experiences to to essentially turn them into a charitable person that's going to just spend a majority of their of their wealth on the temporary success of their baseball team, which they are owners of. That's just not in the cards for, well, 29 teams in baseball or any other professional sports team in any league. No one is going to purposefully bankrupt themselves or or even diminish their wealth by 50% or 30% or whatever just to achieve success. And, you know, you achieve success one time and then like you, you let's say you win one World Series and then you just cut your payroll, slash it down significantly, and then people will get mad at you again, right? You know, oh, we were doing so good. Why can't he just keep spending like that, even though maybe he just can't? Well, that's what people are, are basically asking for everyone to do. And it was... For, for Peter Seidler of the Padres, it seems like it was essentially a near-death experience that brought him to want to spend to bring his team to the championship, and 
John Fisher is not going to do that. Whether you want him to or not, he is not. And if he sells the team, whoever buys it is not going to do that. He's just not. Steve Cohen already owns a team. Peter Seidler already owns a team. You're not going to find piles of billionaires out there who are just willing to not be a billionaire anymore because they spent all of their money on baseball players' salaries. That's not going to happen. So you might disagree with me. You might not like to hear what I'm saying, but it doesn't matter because it's just not going to happen. All teams operate within the money that they make, with two exceptions right now, the Padres and the Mets. Maybe now you're saying to yourself, wishing that you could say to me, well, okay, but all of these other teams, they could, you know, they, they're still outspending the A's by a ton, and the A's could probably spend that same amount of money too. You know, they, they probably are on par with how much they could spend, and it's just the A's that are not doing it. And I'm here to tell you that that is also wrong. Luckily, you don't have to just rely on me telling it to you. Because Forbes also does team value evaluations and team revenue valuations. So, revenue just in case you're a little bit unfamiliar, is the money that the team takes in from various things like ticket sales, concessions, uh, merchandise, TV deals, radio deals, all of, all of the things like that before they pay taxes on it and before they pay the players and the the coaches and anything else, and before they take their own cut of profits, if that's what they want to do. I, my friends, have combed through all 30 valuations of baseball teams and all of their revenues, and these are, of course, estimates, because it is unlikely that all 30 of these teams made their books, public knowledge, or opened them specifically to Forbes so that they could have the exact numbers. However, they're the best guesses that we have as far as what these numbers are, and they're probably not horribly wrong, as in they probably don't have the order of teams wrong. There might be one or two where they're off by like a million or two dollars relative to each other, and you might get a flip-flop here or there. But you're not going to see the Yankees with the lowest revenue and the A's with the highest revenue. You see what I'm saying? There are some things that are just obvious, and this list also confirms them. And I will tell you what I found by combing through all 30 teams. I found that the A's have the smallest revenue in baseball at $208 million. Now that's before paying their players. That's the money that they would use to pay their players, right? Pay any rent, the lease on the stadium, you know, uh, taxes. They have to pay taxes out of this. They have to pay all of their coaching staff, their managers, the GM, the front office, the statisticians, they have to pay everybody. They have to pay the the guys doing the laundry and the guys who who clean up the peanut shells after the game and, and the sunflower seeds and the guys who go into the bleachers and mop up after A's fans have maybe had a excessively good time or maybe an excessively bad time in in the bleachers somewhere and y y they have to pay all of these people and the taxes and all the players with 208 million dollars give or take and 
the from what I was able to find, the radio deal is so the the media deals for the A's are so bad that the A's have the worst television deal in baseball, and it's not even close. And that the A's have the worst radio deal in baseball, and it's not even close, and it's so not even close that it's a joke. And if you don't laugh when I tell you this, you're probably going to cry. The A's have to pay. They have to pay to get the games broadcasted on the radio. I am not joking, and I'm not 100% sure that is what I have heard. John Fisher does not give interviews, but I have heard it from a couple of sources that the A's have to pay to get their games broadcasted, and they have got to be the only team in baseball or any sport where that is the case. I mean... Can you imagine any any team having to pay to get their games broadcasted? Having to pay? The teams are supposed to make money off of this. The radios get to broadcast the game and play ads and and get the rights to the game and and you know, this is crazy. You don't even know how bad it is. The next closest team listed on Forbes revenue wise? $240 million. So a $32 million difference between the A's and the next team. That's more than 10% of the A's revenue. That's a that's a huge difference. And it's like, I, I can't remember, I think it's the Reds, who are, everybody agrees that the Reds are a small market team, and then anytime someone tries to say the A's are a small market team, everyone jumps all over them, because they're in the Bay Area. Guess what? The whole Bay Area is considered Giants territory, the way they divide up the territory for media and all of that. And we just get screwed. The A's get screwed. We have a horrible financial situation. We have less revenue than some teams spend on just their just their team salary, just the team payroll for the players. How how are we supposed to compete by spending big? And, well, we found a way to compete. The A's found a way to compete, and it's by spending small and raising players, trading for players, smart trades, smart moves, and then selling the players high when they're good. So getting a couple of years of a run, selling the players, getting good prospects for the next team. So you get essentially two, maybe three years of a rebuild of a non-competitive team, and then four years, maybe five, but usually like usually like three to four years of a good competitive core that is actually trying to make playoff runs. And surprise, surprise, every, every I don't know, seven years or so, eight years, we have another good team that's good for like four years, and we're good for like all four of those years. And then people want to be surprised when we can't pay everybody $20 million a year and have a 200 and $20 million roster when our revenue is less than $220 million. What do you want? What do you want here? I know that you don't like to hear this, but I know that a lot of this people just don't know. And people want the impossible, and they don't even know that it's the impossible. So I'm here to tell you right now that John Fisher is not going to bankrupt himself to make the A's punch above their revenue. He's not gonna. The A's spent $108 million in 2021, and somewhere around there as well, $100, $100 million or so 
in uh, 2020. Uh, it actually turned out to be less because of the shortened season, but that's what they were supposed to have in a normal season pay. They also made less money. They didn't make any ticket sales. They made less on TV deal because there were only 60 games. So proportionally, it was as if they spent $100 million in 2020. So I don't know. What what do you want? You You think he can just sell the team and there will magically be someone who is willing to put the A's into, or willing willing to put themselves into debt in order for the A's to temporarily have success until inevitably they lose all their money and then he has to just sell the team and, you know, have have no wealth anymore. Not going to happen. You know, if, if, he, if you do find someone to buy the team, careful what you ask for, because they might see how much money the A's are making in Oakland and laugh and shake their head and leave the city immediately. <laughs> for, all, for all of people's accusations of faults with John Fisher, you know what he has done? He has kept the team in Oakland. He could have left any time. Please, you think you think he didn't think about it? You think people didn't tell him that he should? You think that you think that John Fisher, you know, didn't have the opportunity to move to Las Vegas like two years ago, three years ago, five years ago? No, Vegas would take him that now, then, whatever. All right. It he he's a Bay Area native. I think that he's actually keeping them in Oakland. He he is reluctant to leave. That's what I think. I've seen people say some horrible things about him, like French Revolution-style things. And I think that... I, I know, you know, you see the worst things on the Internet and the worst people on the Internet, right? Well... I get that people want us to be competitive, but I think that we need to relax and we need to give him a little bit of credit for for keeping them here when he could have left a long time ago. And the MLB, uh, the organization, and Manfred, the president or whatever, ha- have waived the moving fee for the A's, which is a big cost. It's a lot of money to move from one city to the next, right? Because it's not a good thing when teams just move all the time. Well, if the A's if if the A's wanted to leave, if John Fisher wanted to leave, boom, right there. That's all it takes. He's he's out the door. You don't have to pay that, you kidding me? Gone. Alright? The fact that he hasn't essentially just called off talks with the city when that was announced and said, we're, we're heading out, to me means he wants to stay in the Bay, you know, and be careful what you wish for when you, when you ask for him to sell the team. And another thing about John Fisher that you don't know, guaranteed, is the A's have consistently spent more money throughout time with John Fisher. For example, let's go back to those fabled and beloved years in the early 2000s. John Fisher took over the team in 2005. So I'll say 2005, everything after that is him and his authorization of spending. Everything before that is not him. 2001, $33,810,000. That's what Oakland spent. 2002, $39,679,000. Okay, so it's gone up by $6 million there. 2003, $50,260,000. Big spenders still in the bottom 10 of the league, by the way. 2004, $59,825,000. 
okay, we've broken out of the bottom 10, but we're still spending less than $60 million. 2005, John Fisher, $55,869,000. So he takes a $4 million pay cut on the on the team salary. But the next year, first year, over $60 million for the A's, $62,243,000. Okay. Year after that, $79,366,000. Wow. What the heck? What, what the heck's going on here? All of a sudden, the team payroll for, for the players is ballooning, isn't it? You go from never going over $60 million to all of a sudden you've got a team that is almost at $80 million. Wow, right? Isn't, isn't that a wow? Well, okay, boom, blows up the team, $47,967,000. That's called a rebuild. I believe we are familiar with that term now, okay? Year after that, $62 million, 310000 So one big-time down-dump year, all right? Didn't have as bad of a record as last year, but tiny salaries, low salary, all right? The year after that, bigger salary, 62310000 Next year, 51654 So bounce around a little bit. And then you go up sixty-six million five thirty-six, back down to fifty-five million, sixty million, and then twenty fourteen. I think we remember twenty fourteen a little bit. Eighty-three million dollars. What's that? Spending. Right? First time breaking eighty million dollars. So John Fisher was the first A's owner to break sixty million dollars, to break seventy million dollars, to break eighty million dollars. Next year after that, it goes up even more, $86 million. And then after that, $80 million, so still up in the 80 millions. After that, okay, back down to 64, 68, and then, wow, we had to rebuild a little quicker than we thought, didn't we? This is the Matt Chapman, Matt Olson years. Okay, that was surprising pretty quick. Now we're back up to $84 million, 2019, okay? 2020 short season, it was the equivalent of like a $100 million roster. And 2021, we spent $108 million. So, yes, we blew it up last year. It was horrible. It was like $47 million, $50 million payroll last year. It sucks, but you know what? It's one down year, and then what is, what is he doing? The same thing he's done before. The second year, we're a little better. The third year, uh, maybe that's the time where, boom, we pump in some some big money, big money for the A's, remember, lowest roster, uh, lowest revenue in the game, and not the lowest payroll in the game, by the way, most of these years. So I have to say to you, what's going on with all these other teams? What What's going on there? They make more money than the A's and they spend less of it on their players. You want to know something wild? The Yankees' revenue on Forbes is estimated at $482 million. The Dodgers' revenue on Forbes is estimated at $565 million. That's that's getting up there almost three times what the A's are, are taking in in revenue each year. The Yankees are over double, and the Dodgers are almost three times. Hello, what you want the you want the A's to keep up with the Dodgers? You want the A's to to outspend the Dodgers? The Dodgers are only spending like two hundred million dollars this coming season. That's that's not even that's like the same amount of money as the A's take in in revenue, and the Dodgers are still gonna make hundreds of millions of dollars in profit and the A's are not you know when when the A's were competitive i think they like like 2021 and they spent over 100 million dollars i think they actually lost money they i think they lost like 8 million dollars after after paying taxes and 
uh, rent at the Coliseum and paying all the trainers, the staff, everyone else. We can't know for sure. I know that. I'll say that. I freely admit it. We can't know for sure how accurate any of this is, but this is the best data that I was able to find, and I bet you can't find any better. And I would love it if you could, if you could get some hard data. You know, that would be fantastic, and and then we could settle this for sure. But without that being the case, this is all of the data that we have open to the public. And (laughs) it's just, what do you want here? What do you want? The A's do not have the same money as these other teams, as the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, the Astros, the Red Sox, uh, St. Louis, the Twins. You know, the all, a lot of these other teams have claims to huge areas, and that's, you know, not only the state, but the surrounding states. And that's what the A's would have if they moved to Vegas. That's I don't want that, though. I want them to be in Oakland. That's where they belong. That's where they should be. And I'm willing to watch Moneyball when I watch the A's play in order for that to be the case. I like the way that the A's play, even. Maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of, um, you know, masochism or, or something, but it's I, I like it because it's scrappy. It, you know, we're the underdog, and we always have been, and, and we don't just go out and buy players. We have to make them and pick them. I like that. It It's like, yeah, you can, you can go and just take the richest owner in the league and go and buy all the players from every other team and be the best team. What's exciting about that? Nothing's exciting. You know, it's it's fun to see a team have to struggle and and to see the players come up from being nobody to being somebody. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. You know, I, I love the A's. I love the character that they have. And I love the fact that they're not just a money team like the Yankees or the Dodgers. Although I will say... They both do a fine job of bringing up their own players as well. All right, not not talking about that, but that's that's my stance there. That's the that's the truth that people won't tell you and that people don't even know. The A's really don't have a lot of money, and no owner, not just John Fisher, but no owner is going to lose their own money to try and pay for a temporary championship. That's not, you know, not going to happen. Well, now that you're all mad at me, I guess, for defending John Fisher, I bet this did not go how you thought it would, did it? (laughs) John Fisher's deep pockets, and I I bet you thought that I was just about to talk about how horrible John Fisher was and how he needs to sell the team and how he's oh so rich. It's not like he has piles of cash. He would have to sell everything that he owns other than the A's. You know, come on. Well, if you stuck around this far through this podcast, whether you were mad at me disagreeing or whether you di- whether you agree with me I, as well, thank you for sticking through and listening to this a uh, little bit longer than normal episode. But this is why I put off doing this episode, because I knew it would be a big deal, and I would need to devote a lot of time and attention, and I would also need to be in the right uh, frame of mind in order to get my point across and cover such a broad topic that it's not just broad but it's also deep right uh, so the breadth and the depth and i hope i did it justice again if you if you just totally disagree with me 
please let me know. Email, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And I'd love it if you could find some info that I wasn't privy to. But that's what I found. Well, that was an interesting and exciting episode, wasn't it? I'm kind of pumped up. And I'm more excited for baseball now than ever. Every every time I do one of these episodes, I get more excited. we got spring training coming up. I've got my tickets for spring training. I got tickets at the A's stadium uh, during the season. I'm going to go while they're traveling. I'm going to go to some other stadiums. Eventually, I want to hit all 30 stadiums in baseball. That's That's a goal that me and my wife have and if they ex- if they do an expansion, you know, make it 32 stadiums, I guess. That's fine. Let's go. Want to see them all. So, I'm getting excited. I hope you're getting excited. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and I'll see you on Monday.